Good morning. I'm glad to be here. And I'm glad you're here, too. We're wrapping up a message series today. Alex is in Diamond Bar, and I'm Randy Lanthrop, senior pastor here at Church of the Valley, and I'm here in Alhambra, so it's really good to be here. Um, like I said, we're wrapping up the series, and what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking at uh, how the right vision in different areas of our life brings life into focus, and it's, it's incredibly helpful. Vision's very important. Vision is having a clear mental picture of what I want to accomplish with my life in a given area, overall, and then in a given area. Very, very helpful. Actually, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, uh, without vision, people cast off restraint. And so what, what happens with uh, a vision is if you know, if you have the right picture of, say, what God wants in uh, your, your work life or in your finances or in uh, your ministry, in the different areas of life, then you're motivated by the picture. It, it draws you in the right direction. So after you decide to follow Christ, you aim for a godly vision, which is a clear mental picture of what God wants me to accomplish in a given area of life. So this is what we've been talking about, because when we decide to take personal responsibility, the very first week, it was five weeks ago, you may not remember or you may not have been here. Very first week, we looked at a formula. We looked at how vision plus taking ownership of that vision becomes everyday motivation. It, it really helps you move forward in the everydays of life. Because when we decide to take personal responsibility and live out God's vision for our life, we make it our own, which means we begin to give our resources to that vision. To give our resources of time, money, energy. We've got to have the picture. It draws us along. We, we're willing to accept the pressure that comes from trying to reach the goal. Because, you know, if you're going through life and you're just cruising along, it, it's, it's a lot easier than actually trying to accomplish something with your life and in a given day. There's pressure. There's added pressure. We're going to look at that today. Today we're, we're looking at how God has a vision for our family life, what it's all about, what's, what's the core purpose of it. But when we align our lives with God's vision for us, we get traction like never before. We begin to develop a laser focus, and we're, we're not lazy. We struggle still, I'm sure, with laziness. I do. We're not lazy, but we're, we're motivated to do our part, to trust God as he completes the picture. We do our part of that. We don't blame shift with our problems if we have the right vision. We live for an agenda beyond ourselves. So the first week of this series, we looked at Paul's vision for his life overall. And it provides like a giant umbrella vision for every part of life. And his statement, the vision statement for his life in Philippians 3.10 was that I may know him, speaking of Jesus Christ, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. This, this is what his life was all about. This is what 
Once you decide to follow Christ, this is what your life's about. Knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. This is what Paul poured all of his resources into. His time, his money, his energy, all of it went into this vision. We've said throughout the series that the way you get to know Jesus Christ is by obeying him in the moment every day. That word know in Philippians 3.10, it actually, it's not know like at an intellectual level, like you read something in a book and you now know it. You got the facts. This word know is to experience him. The way you experience Christ is you, you get into the scripture and you actually do what it says. And it's in the doing that you find out he's really in charge. God put this life together. Jesus really is who he said he is. And he comes through. And so as we obey him, we begin to personally experience who he is by doing what he says. That, that's what that passage is all about. So we've been looking at these different arenas of life because we keep running into these intersections. In, in life every day where I can choose to, to do life my own way, the, the old way, the way I always have and sort of take a selfish approach or I can choose to, to go God's way. I can choose to, to live for him. And what you have to do to go God's way every time is you have to die to yourself. You have to die to your old way, to yourself. That's, Jesus said that. If, if you're investigating what it means to follow Christ, he said, to follow me means that you have to die daily. And this is what he meant. We keep arriving at these spots every day where I can choose to go my own way, handle my relationships, my family life, my work, my friendships, my finances, the way I relate to society at large. I can choose to go my old way my old selfish approach, or I can die to that and I can do it Jesus' way. Now, here's the thing. Paul's vision was to know him and the power of his resurrection. If you don't die, you don't resurrect. If you don't die to yourself, you don't ever experience the life that God wants for you to experience. Because what happens over and over again, as we follow the Lord Jesus, as we decide to obey him, as we decide to choose him in the way that we're handling life, and we hit this intersection, oh, here's my old way, here's my old reflex, there I go again, God, I'm going to give that up, and I'm going to shift to your way. When we hit that point, he brings life out of the death. He brings real life out of the times when we choose to die to ourselves. That's the huge umbrella that Paul lives his life for right there. I want to know him. And so that means every day of my life, when I'm relating to people, when I'm doing my ministry, when I'm handling my money, whatever it is, I keep having these native reflexes to do life my way, but I die to that and I do it Jesus' way. And when I don't, I take responsibility for God. I blew it there. There I go again. I blew it. And I'm going to, I'm going to give that up, God. 
and I'm going to go your way. When you go his way, life, you die to yourself and life. He brings back to life what he wants to bring back to life. But if you don't die, you don't resurrect. So this is an important thing to get. This is the at the core of what it means to know Christ and walk with him. So today, what we're going to look at is how does this work out in family life? Family life's packed with opportunities to die. <laughs> you know, if you think about it, hey, you get up in the morning, you go to breakfast, you've got your idea about how you want the day to go, and nobody else has seen the video. Nobody else is on the same page. And so you have an opportunity. Am I going to just stubbornly try to make this happen? Same with your roommate, same with your friends. You know, you get together, you've got a day planned, you're going to hang out. Opportunities to die. This, this is the way it is. Packed full of opportunities. A friend of mine, before our son was born, uh, he said, you know what? You, you're going to have the baby, and the baby is going to expose every selfish bone in your body. And after I had the baby, I found out he really knew what he was talking about. You know, the baby's crying, and you just really want peace and quiet, and, but you've got to take care of this baby. You've got to love them. You know, you, you give up sleep. You have to die to sleep sometimes when you have a baby. You have to, you know, you want to watch the football game, but the baby won't be quiet, so you can watch the game. The baby, you put the baby down for a nap. It wakes up, and you got, and, and so you've got a night out planned, and they get sick, and it's all shot to pieces. Just, just a few things. Okay? Just a few ways. My kids are grown. I, I don't have to, to deal with that so much now. But family life, every aspect of it, is packed with opportunities to give up your selfishness and to choose to go God's way. So we're going to look at this. Our vision of family life is a very, very powerful thing in our lives. We have a deep-rooted sense of how things could be. And how things should be. And that, that picture, that vision of family life, it, it comes together through a bunch of things that contribute to it. There's a lot that contributes to it. Two of the strongest are uh, our upbringing. And we get a picture in family life uh, of, of what family's all about. Our upbringing. And then the media paints this picture. That, that we begin to draft off of for our own vision. We pick ideas up and things like that. Here's a montage. It's just a fun montage of some in, intros to some TV shows that, that are from the 80s.
There you go. That that's a, a little montage. Those, those are from the eighties, and uh, so a lot of your parents were watching this stuff while they were raising you. So it may explain some things. Uh, you might want to go to TV Land and check those out and see see what's cooking. You might gain some understanding as to what was going on. But if you watch enough of that kind of thing, a picture forms in your mind of how life should go. And when your family life doesn't match what you see on the screen or what your vision is for it, it can be frustrating and even disheartening. Real life just doesn't compare to that script that plays out on on the screen. It just doesn't in a TV or a movie. It takes way longer than 30 minutes to resolve conflict most of the time. You know, sometimes you get an hour, maybe two hours in a movie. It, It takes longer than that. Things don't just come back together like that. So we need the right picture of what it what it is to live in our families. What's your picture of a successful family? Where where did you pick it up? Where did it come from? A godly vision is given by the Lord himself. So that's what we're going to be looking at. You may be a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister, and you are guided in the moment, in the way that you relate to your family, by your picture, by your vision for what that family is. If you see family as a club, then you demand the rights of membership. You know, hey, this is our family. We're kind of an exclusive club. You zero in on the privileges that should come out of that. You demand your rights. You demand that people pay attention to who you are, what you're dealing with. On the other hand, if you see your family as a team... To work toward a purpose, then you are willing to sacrifice privileges for that goal. When conflict arises, you don't ask, hey, where's my respect? What's in it for me? But, But you set yourself to deal with the conflict in a way that benefits the team. In family life, we make choices every day that either move us toward the vision that God has for us, the vision of a team working toward his purpose for our lives, or our decisions and our actions take the family off course, drifting us away from what God wants. So no matter what vision we grew up with, we all have a different vision. Um, We want to get into the scripture to see what God says about it. We get in there and we see a whole new picture. And what our goal is, once you decide to follow Christ, is rearrange your vision, your picture, to match what God says in his word. So in the Bible, we get a clear vision of that, what really matters. Each day, we give our resources, our time, money, and energy to things, and that reveals what our vision is. We can piece our vision, our picture together by what we're giving our resources to. Like Paul, who basically spent everything for Christ. He, he poured it all out there. So um, in Scripture, what you find is that Christ followers lead their family to serve God. In the book of Joshua, we see 
the vision for leading people and families to serve God. This, this is what he shows us here. In the beginning of the book of Joshua, Joshua has been given leadership by Moses. Moses, one of the greatest leaders in the history of the world and certainly in the people of Israel. He led them out of slavery in Egypt into up to the edge of the promised land. At that point, he handed leadership off to Joshua and Joshua was then to lead the people of Israel into battle to take the promised land that God had promised to give them. And the way it works in life is you have to fight for what God promises. It's, just, it's, it's because uh, of the fall of man, our choice to, to rebel. It's created this situation where there's the promises of God and we have to fight to claim those promises. And so Joshua is a picture of how you cooperate with God to claim his promise. And it, there's a tremendous amount of instruction there in that book for us. And you, you can read it, but we're, we're going to fast forward ahead to the end of it. But there's a ton of lessons there. As you get toward the end of Joshua, after the military campaigns that Joshua has led the people of Israel in, near the end of his life, his focus, and this is what happens toward the end of your life, your focus, I'm, I'm getting closer, so I know. My focus in my late 50s, has turned to the next generation. And that's, that's what's happening with Joshua here. He is, he is turning his focus to the next generation and the legacy that he's going to leave and the legacy that he encourages the people of Israel to leave. So what he does is he gathers all the leaders of the people together. These are the men who lead their families. He gathers them together, and the main point in his statement, in his talk, is do not forget the covenant that God has so graciously made with us and renew your commitment to follow him and to lead your family to do the same. Here, here's his, his conclusion as he comes down to his conclusion in the speech. This is what he says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord. And serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This clear, very clear statement of where he is encouraging the leaders of the people of Israel to go. He says, look, put away all the other stuff. Set your focus on serving God. First, he says to fear the Lord. Now, what, what it means to fear the Lord is to take him seriously and factor him into every detail of life. That's what it means to fear God, practically. We put God in the center of every decision that we make, every scenario that we face, every circumstance that crops up. We put God right in the middle of it. Now, the planets in our solar system... They revolve around the sun. We know that now. We, we used to think, or people used to think for, for a while, that the, uh, everything revolved around the earth, that the earth was at the center of the solar system, and everything revolved around it. Uh, sort of the way that I used to think that the universe revolved around me. When I started out, <laughs> many of us start out that way. You know, hey, 
the whole family, the whole universe should just revolve around me. Because this is what I want. This is what I think should happen. When I decided to follow Christ, what I decided in doing that was that I was going to put him at the center of my life. And I was going to revolve around him. And everything I was responsible for then would also revolve around him. And when I, when I got married and started a family, that means that I'm responsible for my family and it needs to revolve around him. You have to have the right thing in the center of, this, of your own personal solar system. You have to have the right thing there. This is what it means to fear God, is you, you make him your reference point for all of life. And we arrange, in terms of family life, we arrange our families around his purposes, not, not just our own. He says to serve him with sincerity. The idea here is follow God with integrity. You live your faith out in every part of life, at home, at work, with friends, at church. We're, we aim to be the same person everywhere we are. That's, that's what that means with sincerity. And then faithfulness speaks to reliability. We want to handle our responsibilities reliably. And then he says, put away other gods. It's another statement he makes in that, in that passage we just read. These gods, he referred to them earlier in Joshua 24. If you want to read it later, he, he, he talks about the idols of the other nations who were made with human hands. Things, these were things that people made into gods. And we have this, we humans, we have this tendency to do this. We make things that aren't God into gods. And we begin to serve them. It's very important to understand what he's saying here. When we do that, when we, when we turn things that God gave us for our good and enjoyment into God's, it doesn't work out so well. A, a practical definition of a God in your life is this. Whatever is at the center that your life revolves around. That's practical definition. You can find out who your God is or what your God is by looking at what is it that you're revolving your life around? What is at the center? What's the most important thing to you? Where do you pour your time, your money, and your energy? Where are you pouring those things out? It could be music. It could be sports. It could be education. It could be the person you're dating, the person you're married to, your kids. It, it could be... Your career, maybe that's what your life revolves around. It could be achievement. Our vision sometimes is that we just need to keep achieving, doing more and more and more and more and helping our kids do the same. These things, they all have a place in our lives. They're all, they're all important. But they aren't meant to be the center of our life around which we revolve. If you put them at the center, you don't have what you need because God is the only one meant to be in the middle. 
at the center. And he's the only one we're made to revolve around. So if you take something or someone that isn't intended to be God and you make them a God and put them in the center of your life and you revolve around it, you do not have what you need. Because you need God in the very center of your life. Joshua makes a big statement in Joshua 24:15. He says this, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is the statement at the core of Joshua's vision for family life. He's, got the, he's gathered the leaders of the people around. These are the influencers, the ones that are going to make a difference in their families. And, and he says, you need to choose who you're going to serve today. And we all do. The way God's made it to work is we have a choice of whether or not to follow him. He made us to put him at the center of our life and to revolve around him. But we have the choice of whether or not we're going to do that or not. And when we choose to do it, we find the very thing we need. You know, even our family can be made into an idol. We, we put our family at the center of our own solar system and everything can begin to revolve around it. Families aren't made to be the center. They, they, are, they, are, they are made to revolve around God, who's at the center of our life. This is the way families are blessed. This is, this is the way things are healthy and we lead our family to move Godward. So this is a very important thing that Joshua is telling us here. Choose today whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house... We're serving God. He gives us the vision. And no one, he he makes it clear, no one can decide this for you. You have to choose. If you decide to serve God and him alone, it has a tremendous impact on your kids, your brothers, your sisters, and those within your family as you continue to relate to him. Now, this the next thing Joshua does, fascinating thing. Because what he does is, he says, look, you guys need to decide. Choose to serve these other gods or choose to serve the living God who brought us out of slavery and has put us in this land. You make the choice. You know what he does next? It's fascinating. He tries to talk them out of choosing to serve God in a way. It's, it's really interesting. And the reason he does this is because... He wants them to know that when you choose to serve God, it's not going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. It's going to complicate your life. It's going to make it much more difficult to live life. So he leads them to think about it. So you got to make your choice. Serve God, serve other gods. Serve the living God, the true God, or whatever. And he leads them to think it over. This is much like Jesus does. 
when, when Jesus is talking to people about following him, he says, you know what, before a person builds a tower, they count the cost. They try to figure out if they have enough to build the tower, if they have enough money, time, energy. Do I have the resources I need to build this tower? He says, it's the same with following me. Before you decide to follow me, you have to count the cost. You have to figure out if you have what it needs, if, if you have what, you, what it takes to follow me, what you need to follow me. Now, here's what it, need, what it takes. A commitment to do it. A commitment to God to do whatever it takes to follow him. To fight through the resistance that comes from the inside and the outside. To trust God in the moment when you have that choice, you hit the intersection, you can choose my way or God's way. You decide to choose God's way. And when you default into your own way, you admit it. God, I blew it again. I confess that to you. When you confess it, he forgives. And that's all part of the growing process. But this is what Joshua is trying to say. Look, I don't think you guys have what it takes to choose to serve God. So I want you to think about this. Consider it. Decide. Now, here are a couple ways that following God complicates your life. First, he says, uh, Joshua says, you know, you aren't able to serve the holy God because he's holy and it's not going to be easy. And that's true. We can't serve him under human power. We need we need his help to even serve him. But here's the other thing. If you turn away from the Lord after he's blessed you, there are going to be consequences because he's like a good father who disciplines his children. When you decide to to serve him, you become one of his kids and God disciplines those whom he loves. And so you should expect that. So basically, if you make a commitment to God and decide to walk away from it or disobey or get into a pattern of disobedience, there's going to be discipline like that of a good parent and not just the timeout chair. Okay, he's not going to just put you in the timeout chair and let you wait there until you decide to obey. There are going to be things out of your rebellion that happen in life that are consequences of the rebellion. Not all the bad stuff is consequences, but we we experience them. Second, the second thing that complicates your life or one of the other things that complicates your life when you decide to serve God is the majority of those around you are living for other things. And so you you have to keep choosing to say no to those things. And refuse to orient your life around these idols and other pursuits. And so he's telling the people that God needs to be the rock that you anchor your life to and your family life to. And you build everything around it. And it's going to be complicated because you're going to keep finding yourself in situations where you've got to choose to make him the center. As I grew up, my mom and dad gave me a real gift. And the gift was that... They served God and they poured their time, money and energy into serving him in the church community that that we were in. I I learned from them to make God a priority in my life. And this means even down to the details of our involvement in 
other interests and its impact on God, our relationship with God and serving him. Like the time my dad and I joined the Y Indian Guides. Now, the Indian Guides, good organization. It's intended for fathers and sons to get to know each other uh, better and spend time together and just enjoy that time. I have a few stories from our two months in the Y Indian Guides that uh, are fascinating that I could tell you, but I'm not going to tell you. The point of this is my dad checked with the leaders of that section of why ending guys to make sure that they didn't do activities on Sunday. They said, yeah, rarely do we do activities on Sunday. Well, over the first couple months, activities kept showing up on Sunday, which meant we couldn't go to the activities or we couldn't go to church. We had to choose which one we were going to do. And so after two or three months, my dad took us out of why ending guides because he had decided that our family life was going to revolve around church, around ministry, about what was important to God and his kingdom. Now, this, this isn't a law. Okay, it's not like it's the law. You've got to be in church or God's going to squash you. That's not the point. The point is this. What is your life going to revolve around? What is going to be the most important thing? And, and if you choose that, you're going to have friends that are getting involved in other things. You're, you're going to have other families that you hang out with that are giving themselves to other things, and it looks like it's going to benefit. And you're going to have to decide that my life, my family, my investment is going to be in my relationship with God And the things that matter to him, and I'm going to revolve around those things. It's, it's, that's what, that's why Joshua said, you know, I don't think you're able to do this. I don't think you could pull this off because you've got to keep in the context of all that's going on, all the choices that you could make, you've got to keep choosing to serve God. My dad gave me a gift there. So after the Israelites convinced Joshua that they're willing to make this committee, come on, Joshua, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. This is what he says. He said, put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. Think about where you're at right now. Think about your life, what's going on in your life. What would it mean in the scenarios, the circumstances, in the decisions that you're making right now to incline your heart toward God? What that means is you're already leaning that direction. So a decision pops up, you're leaning God's way. And you're leaning into it. You're going to do what God wants. You're going to try to figure out, if you don't know what that is, You're going to try to figure it out, but you're inclined to do God's will. You're inclined to do things God's way. What would that mean for you? You're putting your shoulder into moving forward in his way. If you incline your heart toward the Lord God, that's where the blessing is. We sang a song to this effect before I got up here to speak. It's, it's following God that brings the deep joy, the blessing. And as you, as you follow him, what's going to keep happening is you're going to have to choose 
his way in the midst of all these opportunities. If you choose his way, you'll get to know him. You will experience resurrection, but you have to die to experience the resurrection. You have to die to yourself. As I wrap up the message today, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to pull out the connection card uh, that you hopefully began to fill out earlier. And I'd like to ask the worship team, if they would, to come up back on stage to get prepared to lead us. But if you could take this time to finish completing any information or next steps uh, that you haven't had an opportunity to complete yet, that'd be great when the offering Ushers, come around. You could drop the uh, card in the offering basket. That'd be great. I have two suggestions for next steps today. Maybe there's an area in your life where you're waffling on God at the center of it. Decide to make God the number one priority in my life and lead my family to do the same. Uh, if, if you're in a position to lead your family, that's my decision. Secondly, for the first time, I choose to accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as Lord. You, you were made to put him in the middle and revolve around him. And you may be investigating what it means to follow Christ. There are a bunch of people who would love to answer your questions if you have them. But if you could, if you could let us know you're, you're wanting to, to follow him, that, that would be a help to us. And we'd love to help you as well. We will send you some stuff that will help you get started in that. Uh, next week, as we wrap up this series, next week we're starting a new message series, and we're calling it Beginning Again. Here's, here's a slide of the graphic for the series. And the way it is in life, actually it's a good picture of what we've been talking about out of the graveyard. When you die, life springs forth. It's what God does. Um, but anyway, in this series, beginning again, we're looking at how do you get a fresh start in life? How, how do you get a do over? I need a do over almost every day. I, I may need it whether I'm aware of it or not that I need a do over. I need a fresh start every day, a new beginning. And God is there to give us the new beginning that we need. We just have to turn to him. So we're going to look at how we can begin again over and over again in our life for the first time when we come to Christ and then over and over again. It's that whole process of beginning again, admitting where we're at, admitting that things are messed up, and then turning to God and letting him remake us. It's that whole process that he uses to change us. So we're going to look at that in this series. I I, I think it'll be very helpful. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word and for the way that you, you know, we, we can't live it out on our own. We need your help. And thank you, God, for the help you give. Thank you for the grace that you show and your patience with us. Help us, Lord, to please you, to honor you and to glorify you with our lives. Help us take the steps that you've laid on our hearts to take today. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.